0: and hello everyone um welcome to conscious convos with coop this is a part of the weekly coop but this is my one-on-one conversations with you uh today i'm going to talk about the federal reserve and how it was created and it's going to be an interesting journey you know i'm going to go down a lot of a lot of rabbit holes um i'm also going to talk about definitely some lighthearted stuff too so it's going to be Amazing, so uh, I'm really excited to get into it with you. And first, I just want to say pop out to feedery.org, you know, come join the sign up list. Um, all you gotta do is fill out your first name and your email. Very simple, very easy, but love to airdrop you the app from the app store or just notify you to download it when it comes out in March. And we also have an NFT project. So go on OpenSea and look up culinary creatures or go to feedery.org and you'll find it there in the website. Join our Discord too. And what else? Oh, Liquid IV, promo code SCOOP. I still got it. And I would love for you to keep up your hydration. So I'll put the link in the show notes. But like I said, promo code SCOOP, Liquid IV, you know, Pretty good product, would love for you to use it, and that being said, let's get after it. Conscious Conversations with Coop. This is the first episode where. So the podcast is gonna be more, so the Weekly Coop Podcast, which will have these videos, is going to be um, mixed in with Conscious Conversations with Coop. And I say that because, you know, I wanna add my one-on-one conversations, but then I wanna also keep doing the interviews, and that's what the Weekly Coop is about is interviews or conscious conversations is just you and me talking so if you got this pulled up on youtube welcome got a fire going right now it's pretty nice and today i want to talk about the federal reserve and how your money was created even though it's not your money and i'm going to go into that And it's not a comfortable conversation to say the least. But with that being said, the conversation has to be had because if you don't know what you're dealing with in everyday commerce, you don't know how to not necessarily fight it, but work with it. And that's what a lot of these gurus try to talk about. These red pill gurus, they talk about fighting the system and like those sorts of things. We can fight the system all we want, but the problem is the system has already been set up for hundreds, well, yeah, probably hundreds of years. And um, for the past hundred years, we've been set up from a financial standpoint to get to this movement in the road. So, the Fed. So, the Fed, the Federal Reserve is the central banking system of the United States. We know that. It was established in response to the frequent financial panics and banking crisis that occurred in the late 19th and early 20th centuries. The true origin of the Federal Reserve can be traced back to a series of events and concerns related to the stability of the U.S. financial system. True. I'm going to need a lot of water for this one. So, the true origin of the Fed can be traced back to a series of events and concerns related to the stability of the US financial system. That is why it was created. At least that's what they say it was created for. One of the key events leading to the creation of the Federal Reserve was the Panic of 1907, which was the financial crisis highlighted the need for a more robust and centralizing mechanism to provide liquidity Two banks and stabilized the economy and policymakers recognized the importance of establishing a central banking authority so in 1913 the federal reserve act was passed by u.s congress signed by woodrow wilson this legislation marked the formal establishment of the federal reserve system the system consists of 12 regional banks each serving a specific district in the country. The Federal Reserve operates independently within the government, but is subject to oversight by Congress. The primary objectives of the Federal Reserve include fostering a stable and flexible financial system, conducting monetary policy to achieve maximum employment, and price stability, and ensuring the stability of the banking system, right? So, the Fed has the authority to regulate and supervise banks, influence interest rates, and conduct open market operations to manage the money supply. The Federal Reserve is structured to balance both public and private interests. It is governed by the board of governors whose members are appointed by the president and confirmed by the senate the regional federal reserve banks also also play a crucial role in the overall operation of the system while the establishment of the federal reserve was intended to address the challenges posed by financial instability its role and actions have been subject of ongoing debate and scrutiny. Some critics argue that it wields too much power and lacks transparency, while others view it as an essential institution for maintaining the stability of the U.S. economy. In summary, the true origin of the Federal Reserve lies in the historical context of financial crises and the need for a centralized banking authority to promote economic stability in the united states the establishment of the federal reserve system in 1913 marked significance in the country's financial history shaping the landscape of monetary policy and banking regulation so that's the overview of the fed now let's talk about the real Fed creation the real Federal Reserve creation This is based off of the book the creature of Jekyll Island um, Basically, it's a book about how the Federal Reserve was created and I'm going to kind of go over some some notes that I took and go over some kind of points that need to be made for your attention. And this is something that I could get shadow banned for, but I'm gonna do it anyway, because the truth is important. So I'm gonna give you that truth, because that's what you deserve. If I get shadow banned, so be it. Um, I'd rather tell the truth and get shadow banned than just um (laughs) stand idly by while people put their head in the sand so let's let's talk about the creature of Jekyll Island so Jekyll Island what is Jekyll Island so Jekyll Island is off the coast of Georgia it's a very small island and the significance of it is in 1908, a group of prominent bankers and financiers gathered on the secluded Jekyll Island off the coast of Georgia. Their official agenda was to discuss banking reform, but many believe there was something more sinister at play. Griffin paints a picture, um, Edward Griffin is the author, so Griffin paints a picture of a clandestine meeting Where the fate of the American financial system was decided behind closed doors and this is what this is actually a book the creature of Jekyll Island and it's by G. Edward Griffin and it was created for the enlightenment of the masses about the Federal Reserve and how the money supply was created because in the end um, I think Mr. Griffin wanted us to be aware of the significance of this beast this creature called the Federal Reserve how it was created what it was created to do especially to you as consumers and how we can work within this system that we call a government a commerce and an economy this is the importance of this book and this is why I read this book this is why I studied this book this is why i work in the different dimensions that i work in this is why i work in you know the different facets of currencies whether it's crypto whether it's you know silver whether it's fiat i work in many different currencies because you can't put all your eggs in one basket i truly believe that and to continue marching on there's a man his name is nelson aldrich He was a senator and chairman of the National Monetary Commission uh, which basically trying to take this from a high level to a low level. The National Monetary Commission is basically just how money is created in the U.S. government. That was what the National Monetary Commission was created for. So Nelson Aldris was the center of this meeting. He was the one that called to Jekyll Island, at least that's what they want you to think. Um, Aldrich's plan was heavily influenced by the European Central Banking Model, uh, called for creation of a private bank that would act as a lender of last resort to the American banking system. This plan, with some modifications, eventually became the Federal Reserve Act of 1913. There's more that goes into it, but basically the European Central Banking model is after the Rothschild family, which most of you probably don't know who Jacob Rothschild is or any of the Rothschilds. All you need to know about the Rothschilds is that they are a group, they are a family that have been around for generations. They are the ones that basically created generational wealth for themselves. And when i say generational wealth i'm talking you don't find these people on the net worth scoreboard you know when you look up you know the wealthiest people in the world who do you see see elon musk you see jeff bezos um richard branson gross um for other reasons uh and then you see you know a lot of different you know well I wouldn't say philanthropists, but I would say business owners, celebrities, athletes, you know. The people that get on that list are the distraction. They are very wealthy for a reason. Because you don't look at the Rothschilds, the people that created the central banking system in Europe. And the Rothschilds wanted to bring that to America. Because if you remember, America split off from Europe. At least that's what they wanted you to believe. And that's a whole nother rabbit hole, a whole nother lesson that we will go down. But they wanted the influence of the United States. And how do you influence a whole nation? It's all about money. Let's be real here. Money controls everything money for money flows like water that's where you try to find the information not main news media not textbooks you read in school where does the money go and where the money goes the money grows and who has that power the central bank and the thing is the fed has so much power and secrecy that you don't possibly know. And I and I don't expect you to know that I had to do this research on my own. I had to take a risk and join groups of people that thought way differently than I did. I thought I cared about working hard, earning your keep, and give your you know, government taxes and those sorts of things, and that's all I believed in. I never questioned it until I joined different groups of people that were like, no, this is very wrong and here's why when you look into the fine print, the United States is a corporation and in order to enlighten you guys, I'm going to do this very slowly over the next, you know, year, I'm going to do this very slowly. And the Fed has been shrouded in secrecy since its inception. Its meetings are closed to the public and its decisions are often made without public scrutiny. Because you don't know about it. This lack of transparency has fueled conspiracy theories about the Fed's true purpose. Which, they aren't really conspiracy theories. They're just hard truths. Some believe that it is a tool of the elite to use and manipulate the economy, enrich the wealthy, at the expense of the average citizen. Many have questioned that. The Fed's role in the modern economy, they're big with stock markets um they're trying trying i say to get into cryptocurrency despite the controversy surrounding it the the fed plays a pivotal role in the modern economy because they set the interest rates they regulate banks and they provide emergency lending during times of crisis its actions have a profound impact on everything from the stock market to the price of gas Every week when you fill up. Whether you believe in these theories or not about the Fed. There is no doubt that it is a powerful and influential institution. Understanding its history and its role in the economy is essential for any informed citizen. And... Now, I want to talk about The Creature of Jekyll Island more in a nutshell. And, you know, I found this on hustlescape.com. It's just kind of an overview site that I think kind of simplifies what I'm about to say. Or simplifies the book as a whole. So the group of individuals that made up a quarter of the world's wealth met and gathered um, on a small island off the coast of Brunswick, which is in Georgia, to agree on the blueprint of the Fed. And Edward Griffin forensically sets out the dangers of the Fed, fiat money and fractional reserve banking system, through its capacity to create money from nothing. Griffin argues that the Federal Reserve is not only capable of achieving its stated objectives, but instead creates economic instability, encourages war, and ultimately acts as an instrument of totalitarianism. So the key ideas. The Fed should be abolished because it is incapable of accomplishing its stated objectives. It operates on private interests and functions as a fiat money system. Through its mechanisms of creating money from nothing lately, it generates our most unfair taxes, which causes inflation, which causes, you know, encourages war, and acts as an instrument for totalitarianism. Idea number two from the book is The Natural Laws of Money and Mandrake Mechanism. Fractional and fiat money systems always degenerate into economic chaos. Look where we are right now in the times. Look how many financial collapses that we've had. Like, not even just the Great Depression. Think about the financial crisis in 2008. Think of the financial crisis that, like, we had during COVID, but then we had the boom. And we're still, we're teetering, guys. We're in a bubble going to pop eventually and i don't mean to sound negative but if you look at the numbers you'll get the charts we're due for the dollar collapsing because it's getting printed into oblivion but anyway the point of key idea number two is they depend on the mandrake mechanism which describes the process by which government debt gets converted into money from nothing number three The Rothschild Formula The Federal Reserve has given the most powerful powerful in society a formidable tool in their manipulation of geopolitics. The Federal Reserve has given the most powerful in society a formidable tool in their manipulation of geopolitics. Throughout the last 400 years, powerful families have played both sides of the war For their own financial gain 400 years i mean think about that world war one world war two now world war three i mean it's not world war three yet but you know where it's going look at all the money that's been shifted to the ukraine look at all the money that's been shifted to um, Israel look at all the money that's been shifted to the Middle East when we were in that situation look at all the money generated in World War II. all the money from World War one the reparations just try to put these things together who was funding these sides Well, you know, countries were against each other. You know, you can make those arguments. But there were not one family. It was 12 families that all funded it. All to puppeteer people against each other. And in return, it got them wealthier and it dwindled the population, which is always what their end goal is. the Federal Reserve, and global tyranny, ideal number four. The Fed plays an important role in, border, in a broader agenda of global socialism. So through the IMF, which is the International Monetary Fund, and World Bank development loans, and the growing footprint of the UN, United Nations, there is a conscious long-term effort to move towards a world fiat currency under IMF World Bank framework, in a world government under UN framework. Is everything starting to click for you right now? The IMF and the World Bank are the international money supply. So in the US, you know how the US is in, you know, $34 trillion of debt? Where do you think they get that money from? It's called the World Bank. It's called the IMF. It's called the International Monetary Fund. When you pay taxes, you pay taxes to the IRS, which is a government entity, United States, right? Wrong. It's an IMF entity, which is the International Monetary Fund, which is the World Bank. You see, the IRS doesn't work for the US government, it works for the World Bank. Two different things. They're not to help you, they're trying to take your money. Because you're a capitalistic slave And we'll get deeper into how we were sold into that slavery All of us, all people from the United States And the funny thing is It doesn't matter where you come from We're all slaves, technically, in the system there is a way out of it it's not easy but it's a worth it's a worthy path to take and i've explored that path am i fully there yet no is it attainable yes you just have to keep trekking. you have to keep digging so that is the fed and the global tyranny of the fed All from this book, The Creature of Jekyll Island. So these are not my own opinions. These are literally coming from a book that I read that has a lot of validity to it. Even though a lot of people shoot it down like they shoot down Alex Jones. So seven reasons to abolish the Fed. So Griffin, he makes these ideas, these cases, um, to abolish the Federal Reserve. And reason one, is incapable of accomplishing its stated objectives, which I I don't disagree. Um, Griffin suggests this is exemplified by the failure to achieve economic stability. So, I agree with this, yeah, for that reason. So you have recession in the 1950s. You have the Great Depression in 1929. You have the dot-com boom, but then the you know the crisis of uh, 2008, um, praying the dollar into oblivion, which will cause another bubble to pop in the economy, and that's not going to be pretty for a lot of people. Uh, a lot of people will lose jobs. That's what happened in the housing crash as well. You know, 2008 uh, was just terrible. And the Great Crash was terrible. The recession in the 1950s was terrible. COVID was terrible. You know, we'll dig into that at some point too. But clearly, the Fed does not guarantee economic stability. Because if you have to create war to create stability... Then that's not true stability that's fabrication of stability that's controlled chaos number two is not a protector of the public but a cartel operating against public interest as is the nature of the cartel its design ensures that the public always bears the cost griffin argues that the unstated primary objective of the cartel on Jekyll Island was to use the government to transfer responsibility for losses from banks to taxpayers. The for the public good argument could make banks too big to fail. And we can't forget the phrase, lender of last resort. Which means that the money is created out of nothing, resulting in the confiscation of wealth through inflation. Because remember when inflation was like 7% and you had CD funds in banks that were 3%? Imagine you have your money in a bank and your money loses value every single day due to inflation. How does that make sense? Well... You can thank the Federal Reserve for that. Reason number three. It is the supreme system of usury. Griffin defines usury as the charging of interest on a loan of fiat money. This distorts a true process of lending as it depends on the creation of the debt and money from nothing. So I guess to give you further context of money from nothing, because you may ask the question well how how are you creating money from nothing? you know the money is backed by the u s military, the money is backed by um, you know the u s government it's backed by the people of the United States. no, it's not was taken off the gold standard by Richard Nixon. What backed it after that? People? You're going to say people in Washington, D.C.? You're going to say people that hold guns and fight wars? Back it? It's backed by nothing. Because it used to be backed by a precious metal. Which, By the way, that precious metal, gold, is pretty valuable right now per ounce. And if you look at a dollar in the past, before it was taken off the gold standard, so I think that was like 19, it was in the 1960s. If you look at a dollar before the 1960s, it would say like on the back, um, I'm trying to find my wallet, it's not down here, but um, on the back it would say like a, uh, a certificate of of silver or something. Let me check this because... It's gonna really bug me. I'm looking up back of a dollar bill. So it's got um, it's got Federal Reserve note on the dollar bills that we have now. So if you look at you know, a dollar bill now, they say Federal Reserve Note. Um, Trying to find a good picture of it but they had uh, like these gold backs. And actually when I've bought silver, they would give me like these little slips that said like gold back, and it's like a fractional share of uh, some gold on this piece of paper. Um, It was like a silver, um, if you got like a regular dollar bill before, you know, we were taking off the gold standard, it was like a certificate. And it was like a certificate that was backed, you know, by, you know, precious metal and like you had Like, current, you know, precious metals backed with it and stuff like that. Um, That's why banks would get robbed all the time, you know, like you see in Western movies when they robbed banks and stuff. That's because they actually had silver and gold in the vaults. Most banks don't, I mean, they don't have, you know, even, they don't even have cash. Like, it's hard to even get cash from an ATM right now. Why is that? Because it's going to be digital, Most of the money right now is digital. It's not even real. It doesn't even exist. These are the high-level thoughts that you have to think of when you're in this everyday commerce. Like, the interest on a loan doesn't make sense because the creation of debt and money from nothing distorts the true process of lending money. Like, does that make sense? And it leads to reason number four, which is... It generates our most unfair tax, which is inflation. Through the creation of government debt and issuance of money from nothing, the Federal Reserve debases the U.S. dollar and creates inflation in the economy. This has disproportionate impacts on those who own the least tangible assets and distorts the field of economic play. Tangible assets. That's why assets are so key, whether it's stocks, crypto real estate, um, I mean, hell, like, you can even think of just, like, <laughs> very popular uh, items, like, collectible items. Like, like, you see those baseball cards that are worth so much? Like, that's still a tangible asset. You could sell, if you can sell that right away, that's an asset. Um, it can depreciate but it's still an asset, and that's the thing, cash is, like, great for when you want to buy a house, or, like, when you want to do this, or do that, but the problem is, like, cash, if you don't use it, it's almost like, well, fuck, I'm gonna lose it, (laughs) (laughs) because inflation eats at it, so, like, it's the most unfair tax, like, you talk about paying taxes, and which is so wrong, like, you know, you think of 1776 and getting her independence from boston you know from uh, not boston i was saying the boston tea party but from england dumping tea in the harbor um and saying fuck you fuck your taxes <laughs> like we we literally were mad about like our ancestors were mad about taxes at such a small rate and now you get Tax like 50% in some areas of the United States and people just accept that like that just that bugs the hell out of me. But anyway The taxes on like assets are different than like Inflation because you don't lose money every day unless it's a depreciating asset, obviously But you don't lose money every day when you have actually real tangible assets Reason 5 about abolishing the Fed It encourages war. The fiat monetary system of the Fed funded World War I, World War II, the Korean War, Vietnam, similarly, the Bank of England's creation funded wars since 1694. Griffin argues that most of these wars would either have not occurred at all or greatly reduced in severity without the system of fiat money. Yeah. I mean, it is the ability of governments to acquire this money without direct taxation that makes modern war, you know, modern warfare possible. And it's just like it blows my mind like when you think about it because if the Fed is tied to the IMF, the International Monetary Fund, which is then tied to the World Bank. So when we're printing money to send over to the Ukraine, we're we're getting money from the World Bank to send to the Ukraine to fight Russia, which Russia is also getting money from the World Bank in exchange for whatever their, you know, Rupal value is or however, you know, their gold, you know, stuff like that. But they're getting a loan from the IMF to make their, rockets and Helicopters planes jets cars guns It's all funded by the World Bank So the World Bank is literally paying the US to give the Ukraine who's fighting Russia Which is also getting paid by the World Bank to do it That's fucking crazy Like when you connect those dots It makes complete sense now why I don't turn on the news anymore. But why you turn on the news and they talk about war and they talk about all these people that are getting hurt, which is really sad. But then you talk, but they don't want to talk about who funds it. And it's not even the United States. Like we fund it, we participate. But it's even worse, it's funded by. Everyone. We're all funding it. We're all partaking in it because we're all taking money from this one bank, this one central bank that also runs the rest of the world and gives money to the rest of the world. Reason six. The Fed destabilizes the economy. Fractional reserve banking as a system has the ability to a record of boom and bust. So inflation, bank failure, currency collapse, Fed policies led to the Great Depression with a spiral of monetary expansion and contraction leading to a final bubble. As long as men are given power to tinker with the money supply, they will strive to circumvent the natural laws of supply and demand. It's very true. Think about it, the US dollar will collapse. That's actually gonna happen. I don't know when it's gonna happen, but it's actually gonna happen. It's getting printed into oblivion. The value of it is going down by the day. Banks fail here all the time. Look at SVB, Silicon Valley Bank failed. Um, when 08 happened, look at all the banks that got, you know, ate up by. JP Morgan and the big ones, the big financial firms. We're in this bubble and we're going to have more banks fail. We're going to have the U.S. dollar fail. Inflation is going to go crazy. It still is going crazy at times. But the problem is fractional reserve banking will lead to booms and busts. That's why after covid the boom of everything was crazy like you could buy options and stocks and you just get shit rich cryptocurrency coming to fruition people got rich but it's it's coming to a close eventually because it has to it's a full circle you can't just go up and up and up and up it's not possible there always has to be correction Reason seven of abolishment. Totalitarianism. The chain of events that leads to global government and socialism starts with the Federal Reserve and fiat system. To paraphrase Griffin, fiat money leads to government debt, which leads to inflation, which destroys economies and provides the excuse for escalating government power and ultimately totalitarianism. I don't get why we all want the u.n like why we want to be a part of the u.n why we want u.n troops here why we want the world bank to control the currency why we like why we need why would why we want people to control us like we as a people deserve to be sovereign we deserve to govern ourselves we deserve to govern each other Giving it to one group is the worst idea you can possibly make. That's why I don't like centralization. Like the word centralized, mm -mm. I like decentralization, decentralized currency, decentralized government, decentralized systems. Because the method of control is what creates slavery. The method of control is what creates chaos. It creates a lot of, dark, a lot of darkness. <clears throat> so, the second key idea. The natural laws of money and the Mandrake mechanism. So, Griffin defines money as something who is accepted as a medium of exchange. This can broadly be divided into four categories. Commodity money which is backed by metals, so commodities are metals, chosen throughout history for their non-perishability, divisibility, and measurability. Griffin, the author, says prices become automatically stable under a commodity money system. And this is particularly true under the gold standard, which we were under, but then Richard Nixon took us off. Receipt money. Paper money with the promise of backing to commodity, usually gold. Fiat money. Paper money not backed by gold or silver. Griffin notes that throughout history, all such currencies have failed, ending in civil disobedience, hyperinflation, and economic chaos. Fractional money. The pooling and lending of money, even even if not available for lending. So... To illustrate the importance of of understanding these, you know, Griffin calls the four natural laws of money. Law one, long-term price stability can only be assured um, with gold or silver backed money free from government interference. Two, to enjoy economic prosperity and political tranquility, monetary powers of politicians must be limited to maintaining the integrity of measures of precious metals. Three, a nation that resorts to fiat currency dooms itself to economic hardship and political disunity. And then four, this ink is cutting off, um, but from what I can read, fractional money will always degenerate to nothing. The U.S. dollar and every national currency are now fiat money systems via their central banks they operate by using what griffin calls the mandrake mechanism so everybody's based on fiat right now that's why when crypto came into space people the people at the top hated it um that's why people hate bitcoin it's probably now they want to try to control bitcoin uh, or just any cryptocurrency in general is because it's not Yeah, it's not backed by anything, but the fiat system is not backed by anything either. That's the funny part. Like, we argue about cryptocurrency not being backed by anything. But the fiat system is not backed by anything either. It's not backed by gold or silver. It's not backed by people because that's not true. You can't back a dollar by people. You can only back by these four natural laws. Only these four natural laws. Or um, the four categories, I should say. Commodity, receipt, fiat, fractional. We are fiat or fractional. So we have nothing that backs our dollar. Same with a lot of other currencies. But recently, China and Russia, and BRICS, I should say. So more than just China, Russia. BRICS is trying to go to gold. They're trying to get backed by gold again. Which... um, That's a pretty impressive move Um, that's very, very smart by their leadership and whether it doesn't matter, you know, what you think of them from, like, you know, a communism standpoint and those sorts of things. Going to the gold standard was a very smart move because they're trying to save their currency. The Mandrake mechanism describes the process by which the Fed turns debt into money it is a chain of events that results in overall expansion of the money supply money backed by nothing the cycle is exacerbated by the fractional reserve ratios operated by commercial banks ultimately it leads to greater and greater boom and bust cycles so that's why like when you see the boom and bust cycle so like you had 1907 crisis which then created the federal reserve so then you have a great depression 22 years later then you have recessions in the 50s so another 20 to 30 years later Um, and then you have and I think there was like another sort of recessionary period maybe in the 80s or so so like 30 or 40 years and then again in 2008 so like another 20 years, and then we're in 2024, holding on by a thread, but 20 years, the gap the cycle gap gets smaller and smaller. We're looking at a less than 20 year. I mean, because like you if you count COVID even, that's 13 from um, our last recession. If you count COVID, that's, you know, that's 13 years. That is a small window, which is crazy. So, bigger booms, bigger busts. We have a chance to have the biggest bust of all time. We really do. I don't mean to sound negative, but the numbers make sense. Which key idea three goes to the Rothschild formula. The Rothschild family has played both sides of the war for financial gains since the 1800s. Central banks have enabled this model, which Griffin calls the Rothschild formula. So the formula has several important steps. War is the ultimate discipline of any government. (laughs) The, the discipline of any government is war. It's true, because when you beat someone in, into submission, you have to use physical violence. And that's what war is always created for, to beat your opponent into submission. And the elites love war because you have governments fighting each other, beating each other into submission to do... Um, what they think is, is right, quote unquote. But the elites, again, still are getting richer because you're paying, you're taking more money from them. You're taking more loans from them to fight these wars and beat them into submission. Um, And then you're, you're trying to have a mechanism of controlling more people, controlling more land, controlling more currency. More resources. And so the Rothschild formula, step two, to ensure governments maintain and expand debt, must therefore be involved in a war or other crisis of similar mag- magnitude. So, war, disease, COVID. What did we do during code? We printed the most we've ever printed in our lives. We put in so much money to give out to people, to take on more debt, to expand debt. That's a crisis that was created for a magnitude to uh, oppress more people, not even at the bottom. But now you're trying to oppress the middle class because you're creating this widened gap of debt, which then only compounds through taxes and inflation. And now we're getting into wars, printing more money to give to other countries, not even ourselves, but other countries. Step three, by financing the enemy, a credible threat of war can be created from another side. Exactly. Financing the enemy. Who are we financing? The Ukraine. Who's fighting the Ukraine? Russia. Who's financing Russia? Probably other people. Where are they grabbing money? The World Bank. Pretty simple. Step four. Governments that decline to finance war through debt are eliminated by financing opposition and revolution. Napoleon. Napoleon, I don't know if you guys have seen the movie, but Napoleon was definitely used as opposition and revolution. Not a great person. Um, but declining to finance war through debt are eliminated by financing opposition and revolution. And if you say no to war, you're going to get dragged into it somehow. We've always gotten dragged into war. Why? Because we're the superpower. It's because we pay the most. We pay to play because we're so arrogant. It's always been our arrogance that has made the United States what it is. That's why people don't like us when we go to other countries. It's this arrogance around war. That's why the IMF loves us because we'll, <laughs> we'll spend hundreds of billions of dollars on war just to... I don't even know what do training exercises and drop a bunch of bombs. Not even bombs, but missiles and send troops that we don't need to send into into hostile territory. People trying to protect themselves. Just doesn't add up, but it pays. Five This is the final one. To sustain this process, both sides are financed to ensure the perpetual threat of war. So Griffin suggests the application of this formula is visible in the close study of of the World Wars, Bolshevik Revolution, U.S. Civil War, and numerous other wars since the 1700s. And I'll talk about the Civil War and martial law with um, Abe Lincoln. There's a significance behind that and uh, how everything got introduced into the United States. But... Some long-standing players have been at the heart of the financing and the orchestration of the chaos. Griffin points to Rockefeller, Rothschild, and the Morgan families, as in J.P. Morgan. He points to the Council of Foreign Relations, which Griffin suggests is more, even more powerful than the federal, federal government, because most of the key positions in the U.S. government are occupied by its members. That's what you guys don't understand. The Fed in terms of the federal government, is occupied by foreign people. The CFR, which work for the elites, the Rockefellers, the Rothschilds, the Morgans. Um, There's a couple other names that are like, you know, German, European, very old money, because they've been around for generations, for centuries. They've married into each other. Their family tree goes disgustingly long because of the things that they've done within their own families. Key idea for the Federal Reserve and global tyranny. One of Griffin's central arguments is that the Fed plays its part in an objective of global socialism as world reserve currency, the Mandrake mechanism has international implications and plays a role in funding IMF and World Bank objectives. While the announced goals of the IMF and World Bank relate to facilitating trade, stabilizing exchange rates, the real objective is world uh, socialism, and the establishment would aim to ultimately have a world currency with the IMF as as the central bank. To achieve this end, World Bank has issued loans to governments at the expense of free enterprise. As IMF loan recipients become more dependent on this cash flow, they become components in the plan for world socialism. Groomed leaders are giving their countries autonomy and sovereignty in exchange for privilege and power. To achieve global socialism, institutions such as CFR, Council of Foreign Relations, advocate the Fabian strategy of gradualism. This involves gradually and systematically eroding National sovereignty. Remember when I told you about we want we need more sovereignty? They want to erode this. The creation of associations such as the WTO, World Trade Organization, and Trilateral Commissions (TLC) have sought to accelerate those these aims. In short, Griffin argues both developed countries through issuance of loans. And developing countries are being economically damaged by World Bank, IMF loan programs. Policymakers label these loans as attempts to solve poverty. But they are really a financial racket. This is all part of the conscious effort to move towards a world fiat currency under IMF and then the world government, which is the UN, the United Nations. Whew! That is... (laughs) Quite the explanation And I did this in an hour I'm actually proud of myself We'll do more We'll go down more of these rabbit holes The conscious conversations Will be more lighthearted at some points in time But this is going to be very serious guys Because It's important to know what you're up against You have to study the enemy And the enemy is the elite's and the elites are in the shadows and they control more than you think you know which it goes very deep it goes deep into politics it goes deep into your celebrities your movies your books your tv shows your video games it goes very deep but decentralization is a good key to that and um I'll get someone on the podcast to talk about the Bitcoin ETF and its meaning and how it it has validity to it. But, you know, the thing is, what you have to understand is that if global socialism happens, you'll never be able to speak up for yourself. That whole amendment, freedom of speech, goes against... What this is with socialism Because when the currency is all digital And you can be tracked the way you can be tracked There is no standing up for yourself anymore it's just following in line and Doing what you're told Because the UN has a very different agenda The IMF and World Bank has a very different agenda That's why they fund wars on both sides because in the end, how is everyone getting this fiat money? They have to take out loans. They have to get that from the IMF. So, I want you to digest all of this because it's a lot to take in. And I don't want you to be spiritually unsound from all this. I don't want you to worry because you can't control everything. I know that. I Trust me. I got in so deep that I got so paranoid about everything and lack of awareness of everything. But the thing is, you can't control everything. So, there's no need to worry about what you can't control. Worry about what you can Get your sovereignty, which the sovereignty is going to be different than what you think it is. That's why you got to read these books. You got to read *The Creature of Jekyll Island*. You got to read *The Psychology of Money*. You got to read um, the, *The Manual for Freedom*, uh, which is about trust. You got to you got to read um, *Sovereignty* and you got to read *Consumer Law*, so you can understand what these big banks want to do to you. And that's why. This is all a game. People talk about this being a game, being a matrix, a simulation. It's true. It is a simulation. However, in order to break free, you have to find your true calling. You have to heal yourself. And then you have to break free from the shackles of the system. Because if you don't do that, you're never going to be free. And this is the last chance to obtain that freedom. And I don't know the timeline. I mean, you know, I don't know if nukes are real. But, (laughs) I mean, the world could blow up tomorrow, for all we know. Not to be sad, but, like, I mean, it's true. But the beautiful thing is we have the opportunity to do what we want to do and not let someone tell us what we have to do we have the ability to create our own freedom right now which is a beautiful thing and you can use technology you can find books you can find um deep you know paths to your soul you can hack your mind you can hack your body there's ways to find the true version of you so Don't panic, it's all gonna be good. Just know, this is how your money works. Cause it's not your money, it's the IMF's money. And guess what? They want it, and we're not gonna give it to them. So, I love you guys, thanks for tuning in.